it's time to turn up the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve in the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, you know, I can't really explain it, even after all these episodes, but I love these horrible horror movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you take a very successful horror video game franchise, splice it, dice it, and add in Mila Jovovich as a character that has no relation to the games? Why, you'd get Resident Evil. everybody and welcome to well the end of season one i can't believe i've made it this far uh and we're doing a movie that you know i thought would be pretty fun because honestly it's well you'll you'll hear more about it as we go on but of course you know i had to go back and this is the first video game movie that i've done there is going to be another one in season two but i haven't decided which one i want to do part one or part two And I'm not talking about another Resident Evil movie, which I could probably do a bunch of these and probably have like three months of Resident Evil or just wait to see if the newest one hits VOD soon and do that right away because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a shitstorm too. I mean, whatever the 3D one was, and I want to say that one was Afterlife, and please, if anybody can remind me, go ahead and tweet at me, but... That one was absolutely horrible. And the 3D, even though they said the 3D was really good, I thought it was that shitty 3D where, oh, I'm going to throw shit at you. Here, it comes at the screen. It's at the screen. It's at the screen. It's like Friday the 13th 3D when they did the fucking, like, yo-yos and shit at the screen. That's what I thought when I saw that version of Resident Evil. But, of course, I'm going to digress and not start talking about resident evil uh the 3d version whichever one that was but that was the last one that was of these and before i really get into the film i want to talk about the games just for a second and i know that maybe everybody that doesn't listen to this maybe you're more into film you're not really a video game geek but you know it came out in 96 and that was right during the big heyday of me playing video games and the kind of the heyday of the playstation as well So Capcom produces this game, Resident Evil, and no one kind of knows what to expect. Also known as Biohazard in Japan, it and really it kind of carries that name. I think even the newest one is going to be like Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which is weird because this is kind of like a whole one or 360 coming back to the original Japanese name. But it was something that some games hadn't done in a long time. And that was scared the shit out of us. I still remember the first time that you control either Jill Valentine or Chris Renfield. 
and you go down this one hallway and everything seems to be okay, then holy fuck, these dogs just fucking blast through the windows and it's like, oh my god. And you look at it nowadays and it's not really as scary. I mean, it's still... If you, because it's just like a horror movie, right? If you've watched the same one over and over and over again, sure, there's going to be something that scares you. And even when watching this one again, uh, my wife decided to watch it with me because she really likes this film. And she was like, I don't know if I want to watch so late because I remember it scaring me so much. And then, you know, about a third of the way through the film, she's like, this is not scary. And I said, one, you're watching it on a TV. And two, you've seen this movie way too many times to be afraid of it now. So the the games in general, uh, the the first two are, you know, big cannons. Well, not cannons. Those are kind of the right wrong words to say. Not the right words to say. But the the first two games had a huge influence on me. And the second one more than the first. I actually started with the second one and then went back uh, because I really wanted to know what the story was. And at the time when I was really kind of buying my own stuff, you know, the second one was the one that kind of reached out to me more, even though I wanted to go back and play the first game. My sister had purchased the first one, but she was already off at college by the time that I would have been able to play it. So this film actually takes pieces of both of those games and completely throws them away. Uh, I mean, like literally, it's just a reference here and there and there's actually all kind of cool little things that go on to reference other films as well and i'll talk about those as we get into those scenes within the podcast but this is the first in what became a long-running franchise and honestly the third one isn't that bad the second one is fucking horrible i i won't even watch that one again with the fucking whole nemesis bullshit and it kind of reminds me of the third game in the series for me Uh, which was Resident Evil Nemesis. That one, I'm not too keen on, you know, and definitely the second of these films, I'm not very keen on as well. I think they tried to do too much and actually bring it back and use characters from the video game franchise that are completely fucking gone from this. This suffers from the same issue that most video game movies suffer from, is that somebody wants to translate this for the cinema. They won't take a game that has a very good story, And just try to maybe mold that story into what we want to see on the big screen. You know, you want to take something like, let's say, and this is going to get totally off topic for a second, but let's say an Uncharted. If you take any of those games, any of those four games, and you just took the root story, I'm going to go, you know, here, we're going to try to find treasure, there's going to be something mystical, and then you get get the end. It's an Indiana Jones video game, is what it truly is, right? And you take that magic and you take that narrative and you put it on the screen. You don't try to change much, maybe make things a little easier to be translated into film. But in general, you just let it go and you don't worry about it. But this plagued a lot of films back when this was released. And this was in 2002 where they don't want to actually kind of follow those things. They want to create a new story and just slap the fucking name of the video game on there so you have basically like a final fantasy spirits within that didn't need to be a final fantasy movie that just needed to be the spirits within and been a technological marvel that was a bad story right but you slap the final fantasy name on it so you get people like me that go to the fucking theater and go to see it and 
are disappointed. And that kind of is what I got with this Resident Evil film. And this came out the summer before my last year of college. Uh, now I'm going to date myself. But it was such an anticipated movie for a lot of people that I knew, specifically because they were huge Resident Evil fans. And to finally see what somebody could use with the universe and the stories that's what they wanted to, to experience when you went and saw this film but you don't really get that out of this film instead you get a film that is kind of a mess with bad acting with terrible dialogue and you get paul ws anderson who for the love of god like he's not terrible he's had some good films and films that i've really liked but he also he gets a little ahead of himself and i think he kind of thinks maybe things are bigger than they actually should be or that his stories are so more engrossing and then you get certain actresses that we'll talk about in this film and i'm not talking about mila jehovovich uh, who she will be referred to as the rest in the rest of this podcast. Uh, well, she plays Alice, of course. Uh, I'm not talking about her. You know, I'd really before this had only seen her in The Fifth Element. And I think past this, I've really only seen her in Resident Evil movies. Uh, except for that one really horrible vampire movie, Ultraviolet. Which, oh, oh, we won't get into that one either. Uh, so, here we are. Let's get into Resident Evil. Let's just jump in right away. And the first thing that bothers the shit out of me... Well, here. I'm just going to let you listen to this, and then I'm going to tell you why this bothers me. At the beginning of the 21st century, the Umbrella Corporation had become the largest commercial entity in the United States. Nine out of every ten homes contain its products. Its political and financial influence is felt everywhere. In public, it is the world's leading supplier of computer technology, medical products, and healthcare. Unknown even to its own employees, its massive profits are generated by military technology, genetic experimentation, and viral weaponry. Now, I think to get through the rest of this film, I'm going to need to crack one. Hold on for one moment. Uh, that'll taste good in a little bit. Uh, so, my problem is not the, what they're talking about with the dialogue. And I remember the marketing campaign and the trailers I went along with uh, this film. They were actually pretty good. And the one that I played in the last one, uh, it was more of like the final trailer. But there were a lot of other ones where it was talking about, oh, see the new you and experience our products. And then the person turned into an undead person at the end of it. And they're like Resident Evil. And that was really cool. The marketing on this movie was really fucking cool. Okay. But... What I don't like in this intro to the movie, and this is right before the title credits fucking roll, is that they're putting text on the screen and reading it back to you like you're a fucking moron. Like, really, it's up there for a reason. Why do we need to have a voiceover on this? Do you think we're too stupid to fucking realize what's being said up there? Oh, yeah. You know, I thought I'd want to read this because you put it on the screen, but you know what? If I can just listen to it, I'll just close my eyes, ignore anything else that you have to say. I don't get why certain films do this. It's I'm not saying this is like a Blade Runner situation where 
that movie is pretty fucking deep when you watch Blade Runner. And I don't know if anybody out there has actually watched it that's listened to this. But there's two versions of it. And I think you really need to see the other version before you see the director's cut. And the director's cut is very good. I used to have a big problem with it. As much as I liked the movie, I had a big problem falling asleep at the same fucking part and waking up at the same fucking part during the director's cut. And the reason why the director's cut was a little more heavy is because they re- removed a lot of the uh, the exposition from Harrison Ford that overlaid on top of the film. So you had him speaking to you and telling you about things that were going on, and you have these monologues with him out on the screen and to give you more into the world and it kind of a lot of people feels it dummies down the film and explains way too much and you should be able to take your own thoughts and take your own uh you know interpretations of the film and apply it to what's going on and especially a lot of people that read the philip k dick story uh why do sheep why do androids dream of electric sheep i'm sorry i almost fucked that up so and not to get too much on Blade Runner, but the director's cut removes that and adds a couple of little things here and there. But it's one of those films that I feel if you've never seen Blade Runner before, if you can find the original cut, watch it. Just so that maybe you can understand it a little better and kind of see where they were going uh, with the film. And then, after some time has passed, because it still is a heavy film, watch the director's cut. And I wish I had done that first with that film. And... I probably would have appreciated it more seeing it after I had seen the original cut versus everybody's definitive version of the fucking movie is the director's cut, and that's all they'll fucking show you, especially when you're doing classes on this type of crap. So, this is the problem that I have here, is it's not that type of situation. It just feels like I gotta dumb down the audience, because though this is rated R, I'm pretty sure that a lot of kids are gonna go in there, and you need... You do need some explanation to bring you into this world. You have to understand who Umbrella is. Anybody who's played the game knows exactly who the Umbrella Corporation is. But when it comes to somebody that's never done it and is just going to go, Hey, look, this looks like a pretty cool zombie movie. Let's go see it, even if it's based on a video game, you know. They need some understanding of the world. Get it? Got it? Good. But you can do it in text, and you could do some really cool stuff with the title cards at the same time. You could use images across the screen. I'm not saying that it needs to be like a House of the Dead situation, where you put scenes from the video game in the fucking movie, and that may be something we talk about later as well. Uh, But you could do like flashback things, or even put the text over the sections in the beginning when we're looking at the facility. We're seeing everybody that's in there, we're seeing them work, we're, you know, going through the whole process of the guy that's stealing the T-virus that we find out later, but, you know, most of us that have played the video game know what that is already, but you could have had that over that without any type of voiceover, with anything else, and just kind of got you into the world all these people are working but you realize that they're working for an evil corporation of course if you just dropped yourself right into that then you'd be like "Uh, i have no idea what's really going on what the hell what's this lab maybe that would have given it also a sense of mystery to it at the same time so after we get our title sequence then we're inside the lab and You see this person messing around inside the laboratory and this person is grabbing 
uh, these two different colored vials. It's a blue vial and a green vial with some, like... It's got this, like, screw thing in it that's supposed to be some, like, sci-fi bullshit, you know? Ooh, this is what you know is that it's, uh, like, a vial or something like that. Uh, there's something special inside. Because we made it all nice. Uh, and I'm gonna try my hardest to say person because I don't want to ruin the big twist that everybody fucking sees coming at the end of the movie. But this person goes, uh, grabs the vials, leaves the room, and before... The person leaves the room. It's so hard to say this. They throw one of the vials, which happens to be blue. Because originally, there was green ones and blue ones. And I thought green plus blue equals zombie. But it turns out that blue only equals zombie. Because since the person threw the vial, it's the one that starts spreading everywhere. And starts like becoming airborne almost instantaneously. It drips a little bit from the vial. And then it goes like into the air ducts because the camera shows you... Oh, look, I'm going to go this way, and it goes right in there. So the person leaves, bumps into somebody from the trailer, spills coffee on them. They get into the, the elevator, uh, and then this person leaves before alarms start going crazy inside this uh, weird laboratory that we're in or building. I, I have no idea what we're in right now just yet. You would probably guess it from the trailer, but I'll make the big reveal later on. So... Everybody in there starts panicking because all of a sudden the alarms are going off. They're like, oh, it's just a fire drill. There's no fires here. And everything goes haywire, including an elevator, which drops down uh, after the, the cables. It looks like the cables kind of snap and the brakes end up stopping it. You see some people in other rooms. They're slowly getting gassed out because I guess fog kills humans. Uh, the dogs were also going crazy very early in the the whole shots. And I guess the dogs realize that something really is going wrong. Well, I guess they say, right? Animals know what the hell's going to happen before it actually happens. So I guess animals are really good for having underground, especially all these Dobermans. I mean, there's like fucking 20 cages is what it looks like. Why do you need to have that many dogs underground anyway? And they're all caged up. It's not like they're roaming around like at night. Do you open up all the cages and let the dogs just roam around the hallways? Because, hey, this is an evil corporation. There's a bunch of shit that needs to be hidden here. And the only thing that can really save us is fucking dogs. Do dogs are the way to go. Dobermans. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're the best fucking security that we could ever have. Not some, like, intricate, like, oh, yeah, well, they do have some type of intricate computer that controls everything, too. Because you see with all these cameras at first, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you see it looking at all the different rooms and it's setting things off, but it's there's a bunch of weird computer shit on the screen. And there's just like general chaos going on between each of the views directly from this monitor. Now, I'm going to warn you before I play this clip, because this is kind of the start of the chaos that's going to kind of go on around here. But... I tried to adjust the volumes of all the dialogue as best as I could because in some places in this film, it's very hard to hear what's going on. And I don't know if it's just me. This comes from a Blu-ray version of the film. Uh, but it's... I don't know how to explain it. I'm going to play a clip later on for you that's going to explain kind of the chaos that I got when watching this. And from here, I tried not to blow out your ears. 
so some scenes they may be louder than others and that's just so that I could get it to a level where you could actually hear what the fuck they were saying and other scenes you're gonna have a, a hard time listening to it as I did because there's so much shit going on that if I raised it up any higher just so you could hear the dialogue that you would be fucking blown out really really bad because of the music or the gunfire or whatever the fuck is going on so this is kind of after the robots uh, well not the robot i should say uh but when the security starts doing shit and you kind of get uh the panic and kind of fear of everything that's going around shouldn't we have doors open or something it's supposed to take us to the nearest floor Hello? Hello? Line's dead. What's the problem? The doors won't open! What about the ones at the back? Locked as well. There's no fire here! No fire! The cold doesn't work! So that guy actually takes one of the cooler looking scenes in the film. He takes a uh, an axe from the back of the room and he slams it against the glass. But it's futile. The glass is so thick that it only spits out a chip of like a diamond sized chip of the glass and rolls onto the floor. And you kind of get a sense of all the panic that's going on. Because whatever the security system, somebody back behind, something because the virus is spreading and, you know, even the dogs, they know that something's going down at this point, that it's like, it's basically seems like it's trying to kill everybody off. So everybody's got this panic. Uh, You start seeing fog roll through and kill a couple of guys because I guess fog kills humans. Uh, and then, of course, the people in the room with the water, they're going to drown. And then you got the people in the elevator that they fall down really, really quickly. And then they're stopped by the brakes. And they decide that there's might be a way to get out of the elevator. We have to get out of here. We have to get out of this building. Here, give me a hand. It's as far as they'll go. They're caught on something. Enough. I can squeeze through. I'll get help. Oh. Oh. I'm stuck. You're gonna have to push. That's it. Deep four. What was that? Oh, Christ. It's the brakes. Quick, get out. I can't. Get out of here. And this is one of the cop-out kills of the movie. And I can see where they may have put some of their other budgets in terms of cool-looking kills, which we'll definitely get to in a bit. But it's neat because it goes to the ground. It kind of fakes you out. Oh, yeah, she's going to get slammed here. But then it bolts up really fast. Basically, it's going to knock her head off. And then it cuts to a naked Mila Jehovovich. 
So Alice is there and she's in the bathtub and it's really weird. I mean, I like the scene. I like the fake out that went with the elevator. I thought it was kind of cool. But I kept having this like Clue moment in my head where if you've ever seen Clue before, you have uh, two of the characters, I believe it's Mrs. Scarlet and, and uh, Colonel Mustard. They're on one side of the wall and it's Professor Plum and Mr. Green on the other one. And the, the one side's go, let us in, let us in. The other side's, let us out, let us out. And that's kind of what I was thinking the entire time that that little elevator scene was going in. The other problem I had with it is that she's like, oh, I totally can fit in that. You just, I can just squeeze through that and I can get out of here and I'll get us some help. And then she gets fucking stuck. Like, honestly, you think you were that tiny? Lady, you skinny, but you ain't that fucking skinny. And I'm not saying that because I'm, you know, fat fuck here. But <laughs> really, you, you, why? Why even try that? That's just to set up you getting killed. It sucks. It's dumb. And I really wish we could have seen her actually get decapitated there. But like most horror movies, you can't everybody die the same way. And we got another decapitation. Decapitation? Decapitation later on in this film. Jesus Christ, can I talk on this podcast today or what? So, now we're at Naked Mila Jehovah and we got some side boob. And it, <laughs> I don't want to keep focusing on side boobs whenever I can see side boobs, but she's got a nice side boob. But I've seen her boobs in The Fifth Element, so why not just show her boobs if this is an R-rated movie? I mean, she's in the bathtub, she's waking up from the shower, and she starts having some weird type of flashbacks that go on. You don't know what's really happened. So she's walking through the house, she sees a bunch of random things, she sees a picture of her and some dude, uh, and there's something that's written on the table that says, Today all your dreams will come true. And so she writes down on the table as well, uh, trying to see if that's actually her handwriting. So this is leads me to believe that she's got some type of amnesia. Yes, so that's the big thing. She can't figure out who the fuck she is. She goes walking through the house and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Sees little things here or there. It's, you know, I guess it's one of those scenes that's probably needed in the film. Just to kind of give you a sense of disorientation or relatability to the fact that she doesn't know where the hell she is. And everything's kind of foreign. Because it's a really rough jump cut from her, this lady, basically about to die to Alice here in the tub. And it's meant to, I think, kind of startle you too. And not in the way that this movie wants to startle you in other scenes, which is jump scare after jump scare after jump. It's the laziest kind of fucking way to scare you. And it's... I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's very slow in this section. And you kind of get a feeling because you're in the mansion. And, you know, if you're thinking about it, oh, it must be the mansion from the game. And like I said... They took things from the first two movies, but it doesn't mean they have any relation to them. It's just a mansion, and I'm it's not spoiling anything to say that this is just Raccoon City. That's basically what you're going to get out of it. And then you're going to get a monster from Resident Evil 2. Oh, and the train. So, But the train they talk about first, uh, but that's in just a little bit. So she ends up going outside. Well, she goes and looks through a drawer first. And there's just a ton of, like, white shirts. And it's really weird that every single thing is white. But the only thing that she decides to put on is a red dress. And I I was trying to figure out the significance of that. 
But, it, I mean, it could be something to do with everything being so white because everything's so pure and she's red because she's got blood on her hands because we find out that she's an ex-soldier. Something like that, but I couldn't quite make heads or tails of it. Other than then, hey, she looks good in that dress. I mean, that was basically it. It came down to it. Uh, and, and if you guys have a theory, I would definitely like to hear the why they would show everything being in white in the drawers until she opens up where all the guns are and then she chooses to wear the red dress that's on the bed versus anything else that she might have that makes her kind of pure and holy. So she steps outside to look at the landscape and you start to get kind of a fear of, oh, not a fear, but a feeling of dread as the wind starts to blow, birds start to run away, and then you start hearing noise. She's grabbed by some guy who just appears out of the middle of nowhere and then... And then the windows crash, these troopers fucking coming through the windows, breaking everyone along the side. Seemed like everybody had a specific window that they wanted to go through. Like, hey dude, I'm going to go through window one, you go through window five, there's like, what, 15 windows here? Maybe we can do like a loop, and then I'll go in through three, and then I'll somehow screw up my, you know, my rope work. And then I'll go through window number 10 so we can make sure you fuck all these windows up. Uh, so they burst through the windows. A couple of guys detain this weird dude that's randomly popped up. He says that he's a cop and he should be let up. And they end up holding him to the ground. Uh, one of the other guys comes through and he grabs Alice and holds her up against the wall and asks her to report in. Report. Report now. What? I want your report, soldier. I don't know what you're talking about. Sir, the house's primary defenses have been activated. She's probably still suffering the side effects. What are you doing with us? What about the cop? Matthew Addison. I'm not getting a match. Who are you? I just transferred. They probably don't even have me on file yet. The locals aren't efficient. It's possible. Should I secure here? No, we take him with us. You can't do this! Blow me. So now you've been introduced to a couple of different people uh, from the... What I assume is supposed to be the STARS team... But it's just some random Umbrella Corporation military team. So you have uh, Colin Salmon, who I... He looks so much like the dude from Jason X that I really thought he was the dude from Jason X and it kind of sounds like him. But he's not. He actually was in the Pierce Brosnan Bond films. Except for Goldeneye. He was in Die Another Day, Tomorrow Never Dies... And that other one, the world is not enough. So it's weird that these two guys are very similar in their candor, the way they speak, and the way that they look, and yet they're not, it's not the same guy. It's two totally different guys. Well, he plays James One Shade, and who's the leader of this team, and we've been introduced uh, into Kaplan, and also we're introduced uh, to Michelle Rodriguez's role as rain uh i guess i have to park it here for a second because this is going to be a running theme in this episode 
Michelle Rodriguez, you can't fucking act. I'm sorry. Even back here, this was Fast and the Furious days. You want to act like this tough chick that acts like a dude and, you know, is burly and I can hang with the best of them. I'm not saying that women can't the roles. Don't get me wrong. Don't twist it. Nothing like that. It's just this is shitty acting disguised in that machismo female role. And really, the way she delivers, even there, where she delivers her lines, blow me. There's even a worse one towards the end of the film that I'm going to fucking play that is so poorly delivered that I just want to reach in the fucking screen and be like, act better. <laughs> like, everybody else, I understand Mila Jovovich's acting in this film. It's not the best. And this is still early kind of in her career, uh, compared to, you know, the later films, which isn't a whole lot. But she gets better. But like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, she's meant to play somebody that needs to be a little reserved and doesn't really know what's going on. So it's like the perfect role for her. You know, maybe she needs to speak up a little bit in certain areas and certain sections. But honestly, I can get behind it. Michelle Rodriguez, you just... You're at this stage of your career where you believe you've just done The Fast and the Furious and you're a badass chick in that movie, and now you got to do nothing but play badass chick roles. I, I don't need it. I, it's just, it's so shitty. If it was better, if your acting was better for this role, I would be totally on board with it. I think that there probably were better badass chicks than you, but they decided to go with you because of star power. And honestly, at this point, your star power is very limited. And uh, you can disagree with me. That's great. This is just how I feel about her acting this movie. It's just crappy throughout. And it happens again and again and again and again. And there's going to be a counter that we'll have up later uh, for for something that I will talk about too. I don't want to talk about it right now. Uh, so we'll tease that for later in the podcast. So they all go downstairs and uh they go towards the train they decide to take uh the uh guy the other guy with him uh who is uh matt addison uh and he's a cop that we don't know his motives yet and we'll find out later in the film but he's probably going after somebody that was in the complex that's what you can assume i mean it's very stereotypical everybody's kind of stereotypical to characters uh you know Except for really Alice, um, which, I mean, there are, there's a little bit of a stereotype in there, but it's just because she's amnesic and doesn't know what's going on. And, you know, she's, you find out that she may have been a soldier uh, and she just can't remember squat. So it's, it's kind of weird. But let's just move on from, from what this is, uh, (laughs) what is happening here. So they go downstairs, they find out where the train is, because they are able to break into, use the code to get into something, and in the train, out pops some other dude, to which the uh, throwaway medic character uh, brings him back. Lie still. Lie still. Watch this light. Follow it. Now how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Good. Now tell me your name. I... I don't know. 
He's fine. Memory loss. Just like the other one. So he's Spence. And this is the guy that was in the photos with Alice earlier in the film. So it's safe to assume that the two of them have actually are either engaged or they're married. And uh, they kind of want to know what exactly is going on right now. Listen to me. I want to know who you people are and I want to know what's going on here. Now. You and I have the same employer. We all work for the Umbrella Corporation. The mansion above us is an emergency entrance to the Hive. You are security operatives placed there to protect that entrance. What about this? Your marriage is a fake. Just part of your cover to protect the secrecy of the Hive. And what is the Hive? Show them. Accessing schematic of the Hive. Raccoon City, nearest urban center. The mansion where we found you and through which we gained access to the train, which in turn brought us to the hive. The hive itself is located underground, deep beneath the streets of Raccoon City. A top secret research facility owned and operated by the Umbrella Corporation. The hive houses over 500 technicians, scientists, and support staff. They live and work underground. Their research is of the highest importance. Its nature is classified. Okay, there's a couple things that I need to go over for this scene specifically. Uh, and a little bit before. One, they were able to jump the train extremely, extremely easy. I mean, they were able to get down there, figure out how to get it to work. Michelle Rodriguez does this stupid thing where she puts the flashlight in her mouth like a cigar. Again, to be a little more manly than everything else. There's a jump scare down below uh which is common for this film i mean there this could be counter number one really it could be how many jump scares are in this and i think we've already had like four or five so by the end of the film we should have about 2756 the way that this is going uh second thing is uh that she's just puts two things together and then boom train works okay uh sure let's go with it it's just something to move the fucking movie along then she's mean mugging the whole fucking time. And I really don't know how much more I could take of that fucking face, to be honest with you. Uh, and then you have this scene when they're talking about the Umbrella Corporation a little bit. And it's like the camera just keeps fucking doing a 360 around everybody. Like, how long can we fucking spin? This is the spin the camera explanation scene. We're going to go to Mila first, and or Alice, I should say, and we're going to spin it around her, and then we're going to go to one here, James One Strayed, or Shade, I should say, and then while he's talking, we're going to rotate the camera on him 306 degrees, and then we're going to go over to Kaplan, and we're going to rotate the camera on him, and then we're going to go to the computer. When he puts it down, we're going to rotate it around. Like, fucking stop spinning the fucking camera. I don't know why you need to do it so goddamn much. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It's dizzying. It is to trying to make this seem more important than it actually is. All it is is explaining... What the fuck happened? Just like you trying to explain them why you have memory loss. Why can I remember anything? The Hive has its own defense mechanisms. All computer control. A nerve gas was released into the house. 
primary effect of the gas, complete unconsciousness, lasting anything up to four hours. Secondary effects are varied, but can include acute memory loss. For how long? Subjective. An hour, day, week. So you're saying this place was attacked? I'm afraid things are a little more complicated than that. So here, there's no spinning cameras. There's just a straightforward back and forth. He's talking, we're focusing the camera so over here. All right, we're going to go back over him over here. Let's focus the camera over there. Okay, we got to go back over to this side because he's talking and he's going to have his long exposition. We're going to keep focused on him. We're going to do a little bit of a wider angle shot. We're going to get Alice in the picture as well. Oh, we're going to go back over to Spence because we need to have his little reaction to what was going on. And then we're going to go back over to the kind of wide angle shot that's going on. That looks great. One fucking take. Let's do it. I... <laughs> I just don't know. Like some of the 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 way that things are shot are really fucking cheesy in this film, and especially when they try to explain something or some random actions going on. And I know where the money went for some of the scenes. Let's just say. So they decide then. You know they're going to start moving down into uh, the hive itself because they've already rode the train here. They've already explained what's kind of gone on, why they've got memory loss. And now we're going to get to hear the explanation of who exactly the Red Queen is. Status. Red Queen is locked on to us. She knows that we're here. Who's the Red Queen? State-of-the-art artificial intelligence. She's the computer that controls the hive. We don't get, like, a long disposition on her. We just get a quick little thing. Oh, she's just the computer. Okay. So why do you call her the Red Queen? Mm, because that that's her name it's red queen she's just a computer but i can explain everything about umbrella in like two fucking minutes you know uh, bad writing bad writing at least to me and there's of course after this there's more jump scares because you know they see uh the thing in the hallway uh well here i'll kind of go as they're going down there's more exposition of what actually happened here i know i'm playing a lot of clips in a row but they kind of happen back to back to back to back so once they're actually inside the station or the the hive uh you know and they're looking around alice she wants to know more of exactly what happened in the damn place what happened here five hours ago red queen went homicide sealed the hive and killed everyone down here jesus when we realized what was happening, my team was dispatched to shut her down. Why did she do it? That we don't know. But outside interference is a possibility. And there's another jump scare right there at the end of it. Somebody that is floating in the room over there, she puts her hands up against the wall. And for some reason, after that jump scene, it makes Alice think about having sex with Spencer at some point. And at the end of it, she wants to know if he has remembered anything. Do you remember anything from before this? No. No. Nothing before the train. Not you? No. Nothing. It's one of those situations where you wonder which one is the one that's fucking lying to your face, right? It's either going to be him 
and he did something or it's going to be her and she did something because nobody can remember shit yet there's a bunch of crap that went down and they're the only two people on the outside that have seemed to survive especially if they've been knocked out and given amnesia i guess they were kind of knocked out to forget what exactly happened or maybe even that place exists but if it only lasts for a couple of hours what's the point why wouldn't you try to do something that is permanent like, so they could totally forget about the place. And then you, you have this failsafe that it puts amnesia gas out to everybody. And, and this sounds like a Simpsons episode. But it, you knock out everybody on the outside so they can't remember anything and they have amnesia. But it's going to go away in a couple of days. So if it goes away, let's say it goes away in a week, then they're going to remember, oh shit, there was a whole underground hive that... There was all this experimentation and maybe we were bodyguards or soldiers and make sure nobody come in here and handle a place or we were just a fake couple that was put up on top to deter people from going downstairs into the hive. Yet, um, you know, I, I don't want to go down there and figure out what's going on. Like, I'm cool. Just, you know what? Fuck it. I, I'm already living my life. I don't know what, need to know what happened down there. Of course you probably fucking go back. Wouldn't you do it? I mean, I'd do it. I know me. I'd be like, all of a sudden, oh shit. It's like when you leave the oven on at home and you totally forgot. So you drive out to the casino, which is five hours away or some shit like that. And then you're there, you're sitting, you're playing on slots. And then you think, oh, fucking A, I fucking left the stove on. Uh, you don't think, well, you know, fuck it. I already left it on. I'm just going to keep playing my machine. No, you're like, need to get back in the car. I need to drive these five hours back home. I didn't make sure my house didn't fucking burn down. And you, you would have... it. It's just stupid. It's stupid. And you already have military guys. As soon as something like that happens, the military guys are sent in to go figure out what's happening. So they're going to force these people to remember anyway. It's it's not a good plan. It's not a good failsafe. It's just stupid bullshit. Oh, boy. So they continue further into the hive. And honestly, the sets aren't that bad looking. And they won't end up in this giant like well it's just this giant room and there's a bunch of different like i don't know how to explain it quite right uh best thing would be to like little containment units right so there's obviously there's something that's stored in each of them because they all kind of freak everybody out and they don't realize they're in a different location than what the map actually says Captain. dining hall b that's what it says on the map Maybe you're reading it wrong. Maybe the corporation's keeping a few secrets down here. Something you're not supposed to see. Ooh, foreshadowing. Uh, of course, the military's on a need-to-know basis, and they don't need to know that this is no longer the dining hall. This is where they keep the weird creature shit. Uh, <laughs> here are our pods. Uh, we're working on a type of body snatcher situation, but we don't want anybody to know, you know. So we're just going to call it the dining room. And, you know, if an employee happens to try to go get coffee here, um, you know, they might let something out of one of these things. Uh, we don't fucking care. Uh, it's all good. Nobody's ever going to come to a place called the dining hall. <sighs> Is Umbrella really the stupidest organization, stupidest evil organization that you've ever seen before? I mean, seriously. I think Gargamel could do a better job than Umbrella at, you know, containing this and, and dealing with the whole thing. At least the Red Queen knew what to do, right? She's an AI and she knew to just fucking kill everybody and lock it down. 
But the corporation, of course, no, we can't let go of our money, so we need to make sure we send in people. <sighs> you know, I've seen these movies before, and they don't have to have Resident Evil on the title, and they could have anything else. But I digress. So they decide to start looking around uh, the the thing, and they decide, okay, well, Michelle Rodriguez, or I should say Rain, you and uh, Mexican stereotype over here, you guys are going to remain here with this cop guys while we take uh, Spence and Alice and Kaplan and the other red shirts along with me and we're going to go and try to break down the Red Queen. There's this like little kind of heartfelt scene that does happen between uh, one and Alice. It's kind of weird. Uh, here, just kind of listen to it. It's after she, you know, kind of looks into, looks at what's going around and is kind of freaked out. I said, keep it tight. Sorry. I'm not sure I want to remember what went on down here. I don't blame you. Now, when we look around the whole area and what they're trying to do is we're getting set up for the video game portion of the film as i like to call it and that's the portions of video game movies where they try to make it like the game so they're going to set up a big either a big action piece uh, a lot of disposition uh sometimes something cool or sometimes something super mario brothers where it doesn't make any fucking sense and why is this in the fucking movie uh that is also not a horror movie but that is a movie that maybe needs to be talked about one of these days so they end up actually walking into the area where the Red Queen is going to be. And they have this device there that Alice kind of wonders what it's going to be used for. What is that? That's what's going to shut the Queen down. Delivers a massive electrical charge, scrambles the mainframe and forces it to reboot. And basically, it's an EMP, okay? So what it's going to do is it's not just going to affect the Red Queen, as they're talking about, unless, of course, the Red Queen controls every fucking thing in the whole facility. You would think if things kind of weird, and there's all these weird pods, and there's they show you the insides with, like, the brain kind of sticking out, and all these... That maybe, just maybe... You don't want to shut her entirely down. You want to just... Like, I understand Umbrella, what they really want to do is they don't want to necessarily go in there and get the T-Virus. They want to get the mainframe for the Red Queen so they can use her for something else. Uh, But at the same time, you're going to shut everything down. So, of course, things are going to go to shit. So, the group, along with one, uh, he brings the EMP and tries to go into the Red Queen's area... To when this creates the absolute best scene in the movie that we've already seen before. And by that, uh, I want to talk to you about a little movie called Cube. If you don't know about the movie Cube, uh, it's a really cool horror movie. It's, I'd consider it a little more of a thriller than a horror movie. But of these people that are locked in a prison that are made of cubes. And each cube independently moves of. Uh, from each other uh, but there are patterns but some are death cube rooms and some are uh okay rooms but eventually every room turns into a death cube room at some point and you have to keep moving and if you can actually get out of the cube then you get to, to walk free well that's the theory uh otherwise you're just gonna die somewhere inside the cube so the scene that happens next is a scene taken straight from cube 
And Paul W.S. Anderson has even come to say that, yes, this was an homage to it. And it's the coolest fucking scene in the movie because you get a bunch of really cool fucking kills. The medic lady, she gets her head, like, knocked off. The other guy, one guy gets his hands fucking blazed off by a laser. And poor one, he gets the worst of it uh, out of everybody there. So I'm going to play a clip of the absolute chaos that happened during this scene. Some kind of dormant defense mechanism. We must have tripped it when we opened the door. Put it back to sleep. Working on it. Would you open that door now, please? I'm trying. Hold your positions, everyone. Stay calm. What's that? Oh, get him out of there. What's happening in there? Kaplan, you gotta hurry. You gotta Mom. help them. Down! Get out! Oh my god, Kaplan, there's something killing them Jeez, in there! So there's not much in terms of dialogue or anything else to play during that scene. I just kind of wanted you to hear what was going on. And basically, you hear the laser sound go through and it cuts the first guy's hand, basically most of his uh, fingers off. But it manages to go through the neck of the medic and their head falls down. And that's the decapitation scene that I was talking about. So I guess we only get one. And this is kind of the cooler one to see because the laser just cuts it clean off and it slides off and falls down. Uh, Then another laser comes and uh, it the one of the guys tries to dodge it and he thinks the best way to do is to jump up but when he jumps up so does the laser and it cuts him right through the stomach and cuts him in half one is able to grab onto the ceiling and completely dodge the laser but you see that it cuts the knife and then the next one starts coming at him and he's getting ready to figure out how to dodge but then it becomes a web of lasers and uh Kaplan is able to actually stop the defense system at that moment, but it ends up sliding through one right before. Instead of maybe him running back to the door, maybe to avoid it, because obviously the lasers, they do stop at some portion, right? And maybe if you were actually get up to the back door and you were able to slide, maybe make yourself as skinny as possible, maybe it might not reach you, or maybe you would have just gotten burned a little bit and you could have survived. But no, you just stand there and let it slice right through you. And of course it dissipates right before they stop it and open the doors. And then I wish this effect would have been more of the forefront of what you see. But it becomes a blurred... uh, Like your focus goes back into Alice. That's how the camera focuses back. And her reaction of what happens while in front of you, very blurry... He falls into little pieces. And it looks still looks good. Like, there's a couple of things in this movie that still look really good. And I'm very surprised at how well the CG holds up for this movie from 2002. Because even with us talking about Jeepers Creepers uh, last episode, some things didn't quite hold up with what they were doing. A little more practical effects, but some of the CG stuff was kind of crappy. Here, some of the CG stuff is pretty good. But there are still crappy moments, and there's still ones where we're like, wow, this is definitely 2002. Which is funny, because that wasn't that long ago, right? Right? So, of course, Kaplan, even though everybody has died, he has to complete the mission. So he grabs one of the EMP bags and starts going towards the Red Queen. Alice follows him, and they set everything up. And right before they're about to launch the EMP we get to actually see and hear the Red Queen for the very first time. Get out! Get out! You can't be in here! Don't 
Don't listen to anything she says. She's a holographic representation of the Red Queen. You have to get out. Modeled after the head programmer's daughter. She tried to deceive us. Confuse us. I wouldn't advise this. Disabling me will result in loss of primary power. Say anything to stop us from shutting her down. I implore you. Implore away. Please. So, of course, he launches the EMP, and then we get scenes of doors unlocking the stable, stabilized cages, I guess that you could call them, or pods. Uh, they all become unstable, and things kind of all start going wacky cuckoo around there because they've turned off electricity. He's able to get the Red Queen out of there, and, uh, you know, we go back over to... Uh, Michelle Rodriguez's reign and the stereotypical Latino guy and Matt and they uh they start hearing noises in the area that the wedding because they're all waiting there inside the dining hall she goes around the corner and she ends up finding somebody that she thinks is a survivor JD we got a survivor it's okay we're here to help you seem to be in some sort of Okay, so this is going to be the Michelle Rodriguez bite counter. Number one. Because she gets bitten by the fucking zombies more than once in throughout this entire film. I, I'm not kidding at how many times she gets bitten through this film. And I think at the end of this we're going to have to count even outside some of the clips that I play. Because she gets... I mean, in one scene alone, I think she gets bit three different times. And she doesn't turn... Uh, until way later in the movie where other people they're killed sooner and turn sooner than she does the rest of the group ends up joining back with the three that are here after michelle or rain i should say has been attacked by this person they thought was a survivor they're talking and of course something really odd happens what was all the shooting we found a survivor and you shot him she was crazed. She bit me. She's gone. She's gone. It's bullshit. She fell right here, but she's gone. Look, look at this. It's blood. It's not much. Looks like it's coagulated. Yeah. It's not possible. Why not? This blood doesn't do that until after you're dead. Can we go now? We're not going anywhere till the rest of the team get here. There's no one else coming. What the fuck are you talking about? Wait. Wyatt. That, of course, is the signal for all the zombies to start randomly showing up. And it's actually kind of neat because the first one that you hear is the guy that died inside the uh, the room with all the water who tried to get out with the axe and caused a little diamond-shaped glass piece to come out. He's the one that you actually see walking out with the axe still in his hand. Now, I wondered why he would still be holding on to the axe. Like, it didn't make much sense to me because it's like zombies carry shit. But I can understand maybe if when he died, he was still holding on to it in his hand, 
Though he would have had to drown really quick and had a really good death grip on that axe, to be honest with you. Anyway, I'm not going to think about it too much because it's a movie for one, and two, it's a neat idea. He died with it clenched, you die, your hands atrophy, you're probably still going to be holding on to it. But he's not going to be using the axe like a weapon. He's not going to go turn around and fucking be a, oh, I'm going to attack you with the axe now. And of course he's not going to talk to people saying, I'm going to attack you with the axe now. Because, well, that would be silly, wouldn't it? Maybe somebody will make a zombie movie where the zombies decide, hey, I'm going to use guns and shoot people. Or, hey, I'm going to actually have some type of uh, cognitive sense where I'm going to speak a language that maybe you can understand, but not really speak it. It's more going to be emotionally. (sighs) Maybe I'll get somebody kind of known for zombie movies. Okay, we'll move on from here. So, this is where the video video game, I should say, action begins. And this is the setup for the whole thing where we've gone through. We haven't seen a whole lot of action stuff happen. We had the cool scene, the cube uh, homage scene. But now we're actually going to have the video game guns blazing and shooting zombies that we really wanted to see in a Resident Evil game, right? I mean, that one's called Survivor Horror. It must be... They must have gone into the future and saw Resident Evil 6 and were like, oh, hey, we're going to make a video game upon that one, not necessarily beyond the original ones that were made. So I'm going to play you this scene, and this is one I talked about very early in the podcast that really is difficult to hear the dialogue because of what's going on. So there's going to be a lot of noise, and I apologize for that, but I want to give you a feeling of what it's like to sit down in the living room watching this and barely able to make out what anybody fucking says in this scene. You know, after listening to it again, I felt like I couldn't tell who was, uh, or when Mila was speaking and when Michelle was speaking, because they both kind of sounded the same and nonsensical. I can definitely tell you that at the end, that's Michelle Rodriguez uh, throwing lines, hurry up, hurry up. And I think at one point, Mila just says, for the head, the head. But I can't quite make out what's going on there. Even listen to this for, I think, the fourth time of me pulling the audio two different times. Uh, trying to get it just right and watching it in the movie the last time I I still don't know what that first thing she says is it's that's all I hear and this is just bad mixing to be honest with you whoever the sound engineer was on this film did a horrible job or sound editor I should say horrible job of trying to get the levels right either they did some things kind of live and maybe it was too loud But in general, it's really difficult to understand them during this scene. And luckily, there's nothing that we really need to understand what's going on other than uh, gun, shoot, zombie. That's really it. People try to escape. And there's something going on with Matt trying to get the keys so that he can unlock his handcuffs and he can't quite get them and blah, 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 blah. We also get to see fucking Michelle Rodriguez get bit like three more fucking times during this scene. 
and still not even come close to turning. They're able to get to the door, and they're having problems opening the door, and eventually the Latino stereotype uh, soldier guy comes over, he's able to open it, and when he opens it, there's a neat homage to Night of the Living Dead, where everybody grabs him and pulls him through, uh, while the zombies pull him into the area, and of course, everybody cries, well, Michelle does, uh, because now we've lost somebody else that's basically been pulled through a door. It's kind of neat. Um, I should say that the makeup is pretty well done, uh, and even the effects that are going on uh, for 2002. I mean, this was a pretty high-budget film for its time. I mean, not high-budget as in some of them, but it was $35 million. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at, to be honest with you. And considering that it had a box office of $102 million, of course, this movie spawned plenty of sequels because of that. So at this point, the group then does get split up. And it's weird because when Alice finally does rescue Matt, uh, at least from him being bit by one of the zombies, she has a weird flashback that happened sometime before this incident actually happened. I can help you get the virus. I have access to security codes, surveillance plans, the works. Okay, so she's working with somebody on the outside, but we don't see who that person is. And... I'm sorry, I'm going to be replaying this flashback a couple more times and because it's one of those stupid tropes where we're going to show you a part of the flashback and then we're going to do it a little later and get a little bit more and then you're going to do it a little bit later and you're going to get the whole flashback and actually see what happened during this scene. So like I said, everybody's split off uh, and then we get to the people that are now hiding in one of the hallways and we have Michelle Rodriguez yelling at Kaplan. Whatever they are, there's too many of them out there. Whatever they are, it's pretty obvious what they are. Lab coats, badges, those people used to work here. All the people working here are dead. Well, that isn't stopping them from walking around. But where did they come from? Why didn't we see them on the way in? When you cut the power, you unlock the doors. You let them out. Jesus Christ, what a bitch. He was just doing what he was told. They told you, go in and get the Red Queen. He has to unleash an EMP that you fucking know about. Okay? And that's going to shut down everything. And that's going to fucking release all the dead people that nobody knew were back to life. Because of whatever went through the, the ducks. The T-virus, as we should all know that this is. Uh, and it also kind of sucks because you've got Spencer uh, or Spence, Rain, and Kaplan. They're all together in this room. And then uh, fucking Matt disappears from Alice. And Alice is forced to basically go into a section of the building uh, where she has the dogfighting scene. And now, from what I understood, a lot of the makeup that was actually put on these Dobermans was spaghetti. Which is neat, but at the same time, it doesn't look very good. I mean, some of the close-up shots are okay. They kind of look like the dogs from the video game. But it's a really crappy scene, and the funniest part of it still is when she kicks the dog in the face. And I'm no advocate of dog violence. You shouldn't be kicking dogs, and you shouldn't be doing any of that stuff. But it's really fucking funny in here. Just because she has to do some parkour shit off the walls, and bam, there goes the dog. 
And then, of course, there's more dogs that show up that she has to fight off. And there's this shitty thing where she's using the gun to kill all the dogs. And then you get the bullet casing that falls down. And, of course, the bottom of the bullet casing says Umbrella. Because Umbrella makes all these military stuff, too. Her, her, her. I mean, come on. People would know if they were buying Umbrella, umbrella bullets or not, right? I get it. They make all your health care. It's like... I guess the best way to think about Umbrella is like Johnson & Johnson didn't just do baby care stuff and medicine, you know, Bayer aspirin, shit like that. But they also made bazookas. And then for the bazookas or for the rocket launchers, when you fired a rocket on it and you actually saw pieces of it, there'd be Johnson & Johnson written on the umbrella. Or on the umbrella. On the rocket, right? That's the way I feel about the bullets in this film. It's really kind of cheesy. It's kind of hammering the point home that we already know these people are evil because they make weapons uh, as well as stuff that people enjoy to use. Okay? You don't have to keep showing me more shit that's Umbrella this and Umbrella that. Next thing I know, there's going to be Umbrella cyanide caplets. uh, Or there's going to be uh, Umbrella the flamethrower. And then, of course, you know, everybody's favorite little stuffed doll uh you know the virus the t-virus squishy i'm gonna squeeze it and it's gonna umbrella's the best umbrella's the best merchandising merchandising you know merchandising so alice has gone all oh well i know kung fu uh (laughs) on the dogs and she ends up uh getting back to matt where he's going through uh, all the files that uh, I guess maybe that he was looking for. It's not quite explained. There's yet, there's jump scare number 60 that pops up where one of the dead people go against the wall. And then uh, a girl there attacks him. And she's on top of him. And he's wrestling with her. He's got some type of glint in his eye. Like he's going to cry because he saw this zombie. And then Alice takes her out by smashing uh, a paperweight into her head. Uh, and this also, after the paperweight killing this lady, she has yet another flashback. I can help you get the virus. I have access to security codes, surveillance plans, the works. But, but there's going to be a price. Name it. Oh, hey, uh, who is this lady at the end of the flashback? Why is the lady on the floor? Oh my god, that's who she was talking to. And she must have been some type of like informant or something, helping people on the outside. But what sinister motive did Alice have? Hey, guess what? Maybe we'll have to talk to Matt for about two minutes and figure out what the hell is going on here. Who is she? My sister. Corporations like Umbrella think they're above the law, but they're not. There are hundreds of thousands of us who think the same all over the world. Some of us provide information, others give their support, some take more direct action. Like you. If your friends had been a little more thorough, they would have seen right through my false ID. And all the red flags would have gone off. Quantico, NSA, Vicap, all the rest. 
There's no way I could have infiltrated the hive. So you sent your sister? We needed something concrete. Anything to expose Umbrella to the press. Proof of the research that was going on down here. What kind of research? The illegal kind. Genetic. Viral. My sister was going to smuggle out a sample of the virus they were developing. So how was she going to make it out of here? She had a contact within the hive, someone I never met. They had access to security code, surveillance, everything she needed. So why didn't she make it? Maybe she trusted the wrong person. Maybe they set her up. Kept the virus for themselves. Do you have any idea how much the T-virus would be worth on the open market? What, worth all this? Yeah. To someone. So, this is one of those few scenes where I actually kind of turned the volume up. Because every time that Matt and fucking Alice have any type of interaction, it's always fucking low as shit. Okay? He talks like this almost the whole time my sister i couldn't believe that she did this and it just fucking enunciate speak i know why i'm kind of yelling right now because i'm a little pissed off at this but honestly you could just talk in a normal fucking voice do you have to be turned down that low do you guys have to whisper everybody else around you is fucking dead and there's only three other people that you know that are actually still fucking alive in this place Okay, they need to hear you. You're not going to fucking attract anything else to you. You fucking kicked a dog to death. You shot five other fucking dogs. All the other people are dead or outside can't get into the room that you're in. So what the fuck? Just leave them the fuck alone. Just talk at a normal fucking volume. Oh, boy. So you go from this, right? This kind of sentimental, you just found out that that was his sister uh somehow she's in cahoots with alice you're not quite sure i'm sure there's going to be another flashback that tells us which way that alice is was alice the good alice or is she the bad alice uh we'll definitely find out that later but you don't you know <sighs> you have it's so sentimental okay it's actually kind of a sad scene. It's interesting because you get more of the reason why he's kind of doing this. I know this is a cheesy fucking horror movie, but you kind of need scenes like this to flesh out your characters, right? To give them more and you could have more reason why you want to cheer on that character versus somebody else versus the dude that just got sliced in half a little while ago or even fucking one who died a cool death. But really, was he worth anything to you in terms of the story? Where this is one of those guys that's supposed to be worth it to you. Because he sent his sister into harm's way. And here, he basically, he had to see her die in front of him again. Because he he couldn't get in by himself. Because everybody would have seen through us. Like, disguise. And it sucks. But you go from this to them fucking just showing up with everybody else in the group. Oh, they made it all together. Like, Really? There's like no time frame. It's literally just we're in the next scene and everybody is there together. So, of course, when she shows up, she says that people are behind us. 
What about this door? They're waiting out there, too! And that way? It's a dead end. There's no way out of the Queen's chamber. So we wait. Someone doesn't hear from you, though. Send backup or something. Right? No, of course nobody's going to come and send backup to find you. They locked you down here. This is a one-way mission. Of course, does uh, anybody out in this room know exactly if somebody's going to come back and help them out? What's wrong? We don't have much time. You know those glass doors we pass on the way in from the mansion? They seal shut in just under an hour. If we're not out of here by then, we're not getting out. What are you talking about? You can't just bury us alive down here. Containing the incident is the only fail-safe plan they had against possible contamination. And you're only telling us this now, when we're trapped half a fucking mile underground? We have to find a way out of this room. What are you doing? Where are you taking those? Turning her back on. Well, that is not a good idea. She'll know a way out of here. All right, guys, we're basically on the home stretch here. It's about to start Act 3. Uh, so I need another beer. So uh, they decide that the best way to do this is turn the Red Queen back on because she obviously knows a way to get out of there. And if she can help them out, then, you know, they don't have to kill her. And It's kind of a weird pact that Alice wants to make, right? Let's bring her back so she can show us the way out. But we're basically going to leave you down here, and, and Mr. Computer or Mrs. Computer. And eventually the power is going to go out and you're going to go away anyway. Unless, of course, she's constantly hooked up into everything and doesn't matter what they do, they can't kill her. But Kaplan is smart and he does make a failsafe to keep her down there. So with that, they turn the Red Queen back on and try to get her help. Kaplan? The initial charge must have damaged your boards. Ah, there you are. Things I gather have gone out of control. Give me that fucking switch right now. I'm gonna fry your ass. I did warn you, didn't I? Tell us what the hell is going on down here. Research and development. What about the T-virus? The T-virus was a major medical breakthrough, although it clearly also possessed highly profitable military applications. Well, how does it explain those things out there? Even in death, the human body still remains active. Hair and fingernails continue to grow. New cells are produced. And the brain itself holds a small electrical charge that takes months to dissipate. The T-virus provides a massive jolt both to cellular growth and to those trace electrical impulses. But quite simply, it reanimates the body. It brings the dead back to life? Not fully. The subjects have the simplest of motor functions. Perhaps a little memory, virtually no intelligence. They are driven by the basest of impulses, the most basic of needs. Which is? The need to feed. Oh, I thought she was going to say the need for speed. Oh, I guess the need for sp- to feed makes more sense than the need for speed. So she shows them a back way to get out of the the hive in general. Uh, and that, of course, gets them into another sticky situation where more zombies show up. 
And there's some action that goes back and forth, uh, you know, because Alice knows Kung Fu now, she's able to kill motherfuckers dead, uh, well, deader, by punching them in the fucking face, uh, which is pretty amazing. And, and of course, the queen tells them exactly the way that they need to kill them is standard zombie tropes of either snapping the spinal column or shooting them in the head. So they go through, uh, they get, you know, get in there and uh fight more zombies they get trapped uh bite counter number four i think four and five happens to uh fucking rain in this scene uh and then she goes once they finally escape and they actually get uh they end up a little separated she ends up taunting all the zombies below by dripping her blood into where the zombies are and like yeah you like that motherfuckers you know in her badass michelle rodriguez way uh so they end up trying to cross out they decide that since they're up high and the zombies can't get them they're gonna cross on some pipes and the pipes of course break i know i'm going through this a little fast but it really it's an action movie what do you want from me at this point it's no longer scary uh so they go through of course the pipe breaks kaplan's left behind and uh you know alice wants to go get him but because you know he doesn't want to slow them down and he only has one bullet left he tells them to go on Kaplan just stay there hold on hold on we're gonna come get you we need to cut this wire then we throw it to him and then we can go get him hold on that's lucky I want you to go Yes, you are. No. You can't kill all of them. I'm not going anywhere. I want you to go now. Please. Just do it. Just do it now. And of course, I forgot to say, before this scene even happened, she had a little speech with Kaplan where nobody's going to get left behind anymore. We're all going to get out together. And of course, he gets left behind because he can't make it over in time for the zombies. And yada yada cliche. He's about to blow off his head, but he decides not to. He takes out one of the zombies with the last bullet, tells them they got to work for their food, and then finds an escape route. Do we know if he escapes? Will he pop up later in the film? Keep listening to find out. 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 So, now we get my favorite worst line of the movie from Michelle Rodriguez. And this really becomes the icing on the cake for the whole movie. And for the reason why I say that she wants to be that machismo female badass character. So they're carrying her around, but of course she's really hurt because she's been bitten to all shit, and she's barely surviving. And while they're coming around the corner, we get this little bit of comic relief. When I get out of here, I think I'm gonna get laid. Yeah, <laughs> might want to clean up a little bit first. Wasn't that just delivered in the best way possible? I mean, I laughed out loud. No, not really. I actually didn't laugh at all. I'm not even laughing now. It's so stupid. It's just a bad line, and it's even delivered. If it's, I'm okay with it being a bad line if it's delivered well, but it's not delivered very well. 
So, as they're walking down the hallways and they're starting to get out, uh, there's another flashback that's held by Alice, but she remembers that she saw them working on rabbits uh, with the T-virus, and she found out that they're secure. Blue for the virus, green for the antivirus. What are you talking about? There's a cure. The process can be reversed. There's a cure! You're gonna be okay! So, there's a cure because green means cure and blue means virus. Green means cure, blue means virus. I wish I would have realized that in the beginning of the... Oh yeah, I fucking did! Okay, it's not that stupid to figure out that there was probably a cure at the same time. Because the guy stole two sets of colors, right? And we kind of already thought, well, you know, initial thought, is that you maybe had to mix them together to create the T-virus, and that's how everything... But when he just threw the blue one, you knew, oh, hey, the blue one's probably the bad one, and the green one's probably the good one. So she goes looking for the cure, and of course, there is none. This also causes a little rift between her and Matt, because that Matt thinks that she's the one that fucked everything up and wants to know the fucking truth. This is where they kept the T-virus. How do you know all this? Because I was going to steal it. I was your sister's contact. You betrayed her. I don't know. You caused I all can't this. remember. Don't remember the truth. It's at this point when they can't find the virus or the antivirus located in this part of the building that Spencer, Spence, finally has a fucking flashback and remembers every single fucking thing and the twist that nobody fucking saw coming happens during the flashback. Now, this flashback, it's really just going to be Alice talking, and I'll explain how he realized, or who he is, after the flashback. I can help you get the virus. I have access to security codes, surveillance plans, the works. But there's going to be a price. Name it. You have to guarantee me that you will bring this corporation down. So he's spying on her the entire time the flashback is happening. Now, she's had the first two parts of it, and he has the whole fucking thing. Why doesn't she remember it when she remembers there's a fucking cure? Remembers what she said to the lady, and realized that she's the good guy, and this guy is the fucking asshole that's just gonna try to steal it for the fucking money. In fact, it's at this point, to the surprise of no one watching this fucking movie, and I would be hard-pressed if you did not think that she wasn't the good guy like how would you know if she it boggles my mind this isn't a revelation this is just a oh yeah it makes sense because the way that he's been acting the whole time is like he's remembered though he has amnesia and you find out yeah he's a bitch ass who wants her to go along with him we can still make it out of here We can have everything we've ever wanted. Money's out there, waiting. You wouldn't believe how much. Is that how you thought all my dreams were going to come true? Please. I wouldn't want to shoot you. 
might need the bullets. Back off. It literally went from like 0 to 60 in like 10 seconds. Maybe less than that for him to get all his memories back and realize everything that he's fucking done just because he went into one little room. And it's taken her the entire fucking movie to remember everything piece by piece. Makes no fucking sense. But even towards the end of this, she still hasn't remembered everything. And he can remember everything else that's possibly gone on. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would you do this? Why would you write it like this? It's fucking ridiculous. So he's hit everything on the train. It's been there the whole time. I understand that she probably went for the Red Queen shit, and that's why they originally were going. But he could have just... He's been in these places the entire movie. They've said things. Things should have fucking struck back in his fucking head. Why is it now? Of course, it's that deus ex machina that he's going to be the bad guy of the movie and he's going to remember everything just because of a little bit of memory where she's been struggling and fighting the entire time to remember what's going on. So he locks them in the room and of course... The Red Queen snaps back because they all think that he's going to gay with it. Get away with it. Not get gay with it. He's not going to do any of that any type of thing whatsoever. He might get away with it, but the Red Queen has been a bad, bad girl. Your boyfriend's a real asshole. He shot the locking mechanism out. I can't believe that son of a bitch is going to get away with this. I don't think so. I've been a bad, bad girl. So, she reveals to them that there's something else out there, which is basically a liquor from Resident Evil 2. So there's your Resident Evil 2 reference, everybody. The liquor. That's what they took from the fucking movie. And when they see it on camera, Matt wonders, what the fuck is that thing? What the fuck is that? One of the hive's early experiments produced by injecting the T-virus directly into living tissue. The results were unstable. Now that it has fed on fresh DNA, it will mutate. Becoming a stronger, faster hunter. Great. If you knew it was loose, why didn't you warn us? she was saving it for us isn't that right i didn't think any of you would make it this far not without infection why didn't you tell us about the antivirus this long after infection there's no guarantee it would work but there's a chance right i don't deal in chance so if in case I did miss that, which I believe I did, the liquor kills Spence uh, right at the train before he's going to leave. And that causes it, as you heard a little bit, to, it to mutate. It's a decent effect, and I have to say that the liquor, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks very close to what it looked like in the video game, which is really cool. Uh, it's just the way the CG is applied to the screens. It's very lazy, and you can definitely tell a difference when it's on screen and with with other things. Like the first time you see it when it pops out of one of those containment units, it is really out of place. 
but then it pops onto the screen for the first time here it looks great and there's actually kind of a neat little practical effect as it's growing up after it's eaten fresh human dna but then the transformation sequence looks out of place as well so it's like a 50 50 type of thing that's going on here it looks good and it looks bad at the same time so again for 2002 it's not terrible and i bet you if i would have seen this again on the big screen i would have been like huh that's not bad and i bet you at the time that i saw it i was like oh that's not bad but now it's really kind of jarring it's like when you watch a sci-fi made for tv movie and how juxtaposing uh juxtaposing the cg they use to the real characters that they use uh how it looks like it was done uh, it was a movie from the 2000s or, or late 90s that's kind of how this is i mean it's gotten better but it still kind of looks like crap so they argue back and forth with red queen and uh you know she's willing to let them go uh, unless they kill michelle rodriguez so they try to figure out how to get out of there and they start arguing with the red queen uh about letting them get the code from her so that they could leave the room no pressure guys you require the four digit access code i can give you the code but first you must do something for me what do you want one of your group is infected i require her life for the code the antivirus is right there on the platform it's right there i'm sorry but it's a risk i cannot take so they go back and forth with Michelle Rodriguez saying, yes, kill me, and the Red Queen doing it, and she doesn't want to do it. No, kill me, don't kill me. Kill me, don't kill me. Kill me, don't kill me. Give it. Just fucking do whatever. So then she smashes the axe against the goddamn computer screen, which again kills off or sets off the EMP again. I, I don't know. All of a sudden the door can fucking open, and she doesn't have to kill the Red Queen anymore. Oh, but actually, whoa. Turns out, who knew? Kaplan's alive and he's the one that set off the EMP which shut her down so they're able to run and escape then they all get back to the train and when they get on the train she administers the uh antivirus into everybody that's been infected so far so Kaplan looks like he's been bit so he gets it and then so does Rain but it's really weird because when she first gets it and she's actually she does some stupid quip that spencer did before when spencer comes back to life as a zombie and she kills him off and then she closes up the case but she doesn't know the access code to get into the case so how is she going to open it again like that doesn't make any sense to me you would think that she would be able to go you know just leave it fucking open so she can get everything right and and maybe leave the t-virus there don't take it with you but of course she's going to take it with her because why not she needs to expose umbrella and the way that she exposes umbrella is by bringing a deadly fucking virus out into the fucking open you stupid fucking idiot and then you would close it without knowing the code so you technically can't get back in there to get the fucking antivirus but you can how uh, it's the end of the movie it's the it's it's the end of the movie oh, that tastes so good so they get the train rolling and michelle rod or rain i should say keep just calling her, fucking she just just called her michelle rodriguez anyway but she starts talking about how mila jehovovich needs to kill her before she turns or when she does turn please shoot me in the head and yada 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 
and then she slowly goes to sleep and they're crying and then there's the fake out I'm not that yet I think I'll have that back So they're all of a sudden attacked by the liquor creature. And this is where we get the other Resident Evil 2 reference in this film, which is the final boss scene uh, where you're trying to escape the facility on a train and the boss attacks you while you're on the train. And that's what happens here is it starts attacking them and they're trying to escape it. And uh, honestly, it's, it's a decent scene. Uh, Alice gets thrown around Matt gets slashed Michelle Rodriguez becomes a zombie finally and uh, they need to open up the trap door so they shoot Michelle Rodriguez in the head oh there's also a really funny scene where uh, Alice gets uh, bitch slapped with the tongue of the monster uh, but Matt ends up killing uh, Rain and pushing her into the release for the trap door which drops the monster and sets him on flames extremely fast because of how fast, I guess, the train is running back to the bottom of the mansion. Both of them get out, and Alice breaks down because she believes that they've actually failed. You failed. Listen to me. There is nothing else you could have done. The corporation's guilty here, not you. I mean, we finally have the proof. And that way, Umbrella can't get, a, uh, can't get away with this. I mean, we can, we can find... What is it? You're infected. You'll be okay. I'm not losing you. So it's at this point that Matt's arm starts to pulsate and it starts to bother him. And of course, the corporation's always bad. Uh, he uses that line way too much in the... The corporation. Corporation, man. Man, you should have just been dressed up like a fucking hippie the entire time because that's all he was going to be fucking talking about is how horrible the corporations are. So his arm starts turning and then all of a sudden some guys in white suits come in and grab him and say that he'd be great for the sequel. He's mutating. I want him in the Nemesis program. Yes, of course, that's your setup right there for the following movie, which does fucking feature Nemesis, if you didn't know that that was going to happen already. And of course, there was always going to be a sequel, because they're going to set it up for that shit, because they knew, slap the Resident Evil name on any movie, and you're going to make fucking money. So, before uh, Alice is able to fight, she can fight off zombies perfectly fine, but she can't fight off a couple people in sterile suits. Makes no fucking sense. I don't know who the fuck these people are. I'm assuming they're Umbrella people. But they capture her too because they want to know if she's infected. I want her quarantined, close observation, and a full series of blood tests. Let's see if she's infected. Take her to the Raccoon City facility. Then assemble the team. We're reopening the hive. I want to know what went on down there. Just do it. So, of course, this is the point where the movie should end, but we end up having another couple minutes of the film 
Luckily, it doesn't go on any further, but it would have been nice to just kind of end it maybe even when the two were there and it was just like, we're going to be okay. And maybe they step outside and they see the world has been ruined or some shit like that. That would have been a much better ending. But no, we got to set up a sequel and then we got to get her captured and then we got to see... I think we see Mila Jovovich's bush. Like, to become... She's on this chair. She's got this weird, like dentist you know that spit guard the dentist put on top of you but she looks like she's only wearing that on the front and the back so we get more tasteful side boob from her but when she's on the ground crouching i swear that you can see pubic hair if you look close enough i'm not trying to be a perv it's just fucking out there you can totally see it down there i'm not saying that you see vag but you definitely see hair uh so she's there in this white room she does something really ridiculous to get the fucking door unlocked it's one of those card reader type things but she ends up using one of the things which is pretty ingenious she pulls out the the diodes from her head which has been keeping her asleep and she uses that to unlock the door but it's weird because if they've been using their to stay sedated and keep her asleep if she's woken up now that means either the anesthesia's run off or the power's gone out so she should have been able to get out of the room considering that the control room when you're looking in on her there's nobody there and you can hear zombie noises so it's obviously that somebody's been uh infected or they've been infected again they let the zombies out from the hive and now you know she's able to wake up out of the coma in the quarantine so she finds a lab coat and she's able to cover herself and start walking outside and i believe she finds herself a shotgun randomly uh and when she walks outside there's this giant uh final shot where it's basically just like a crane shot but it's pulling back from where she's at and it shows the decimation of raccoon city she cocks the gun and then the movie ends with some slipknot For the final that you came here for The one to rivet if you manage is the one I have on I need a minute to eliminate for everyone The everyday abusive thing to deal with I'm done You're impossible, go fun It's like a bagel of a knife No tab on my tongue And if you touch me, I will rip you apart I'll reach in and take a bite of the bitch you got And that's Resident Evil. I mean, it's not a terrible film. For a Paul W.S. Anderson film, it's one of the better ones that he's done. The writing is pretty weak, and some of the directorial choices are pretty bad. There's a lot of really weird cuts. There's the fucking spinning camera that I get tired of. There's the bad acting from Michelle Rodriguez that I can't fucking stand. As much as I fucking, like, I went off about Jennifer Tilly and how great she is, she's... Oh my god, people get annoyed with her, but Michelle Rodriguez, everybody fucking loves because of the Fast and the Fucking Furious and Lost, whatever piece of shit show that she's been on. Lost isn't a piece of shit show, I shouldn't say that, but other things that she's done, she's never really made a big impact. The best thing that she's ever done is Machete, and she's very subdued in those movies, which is perfectly fine. But here, she's trying to be too much of a badass, and it kind of ruins a lot of the movie for me. The other issue is, it's... A standard horror flick from this generation not the current generation i'm talking about the 2000s and when i say that it's horror movies that just don't stay scary for the whole fucking movie there are still those types of horror movies today and there are a lot of monster movies that do this that are really terrible and that's my problem with this film 
is that it does start out really well. I really enjoy the first 30 minutes of this movie. The way the panic of everybody that's locked inside the hive, the different ways that people die, the atmosphere is pretty good, the sets are pretty good. But once it starts, you know, unleashing the zombies, you lose me. It turns to crap. It turns to a standard fucking action flick. We don't need to have the Resident Evil name slapped on this. It just feels like they do those things in these types of movies and video game movies in general because they want you to feel closer to the actual game. Instead of actually just staying with the base story like I've said before, they go and they try to create something totally different and something totally new that they don't need to do. They could have just fucking rehashed the mansion story from Resident Evil 1, changed a couple things so it flowed better for a movie, and bam, you would have had a really good movie that stayed very true to the game. Instead, you get flashes and glimpses of the whole IP that are in this movie. You just don't have any of the original characters that were in the movie. You don't have a lot of the same themes, even though you do have Umbrella being this evil corporation that everybody thought was great. But where are the stars? They should have been a big part of this movie. Those soldiers shouldn't have been Umbrella soldiers. They should have been star soldiers. Or Spence and Alice were the star soldiers instead of having Chris and Jill Valentine in this movie. I I just don't understand why you want to write this way. Because maybe you you want to reach a bigger audience. Right? But... Honestly, your audience are the people that watch the video games. That's why you slap Resident Evil on this piece of shit, right? You put it on there because you were like, that's going to get a, a lot of people to come see this movie. And there's a lot of people that like these movies, you know, like other franchises that aren't that great. Like, well, let's say the Underworld franchise. That thing's a steaming pile of shit, but some people really love that franchise and keep seeing those movies. And it's the same thing with this franchise. We haven't seen a Resident Evil movie in a while, but we're going to be getting one in the next couple of months. Because, hey, it needs to finish up the story and somebody probably needs money. Uh, (laughs) And it's it's probably not that. It's just, you know, some people maybe they want to actually finish the story and they want to be done with it. And they were signed on to do so many movies and this is the final movie that they're going to do. I get it. You do, I mean, you don't do things in Hollywood because you have an uh, artistic idea. There are people that do those movies, but a lot of those films are independent films and they're not the big blockbusters that you see in the theaters. The big blockbusters are there to make people money and that's about it. Some are really good. Some are really bad. And this just happens to be somewhere in between. Because honestly, there are some really good things to it. There's a lot of shots that are homages to other movies. Uh, and there's some pretty good effects still in this movie. And like I said, in the beginning of the film, the film has really good atmosphere and it has a really good start to it. It just falls apart by the second act. And at the third act, we're just rushing to get through it, just like I was finishing up this podcast. Because there's not a whole lot to really talk about other than now they're on the move and they're trying to escape and there's some big action scenes and there's a boss fight. I guess it really was like a video game then. Huh. So... Overall, I give the gore in this movie a 4 out of 5. There's some really good effects and really good scenes. And it's mostly in the beginning when it's killing off these soldiers. And the cube scene is probably the best scene you're going to get. I wish there was a little more to it. But the zombies, the makeup on them, and even the way the lurker looks, I, I still give it... I, You know, I might give it down a little bit. Maybe it's more of a 3.5 because there could have been more. You could have seen more in the beginning. Like the lady getting crushed by the elevator would have been great to see. 
Uh, and there would have been other scenes. Uh, you know, if they really had tried to pay homage to Night of the Living Dead, they could have had the guy's intestines ripped out or something like that. Get a little more gory, but I'm glad it was at least rated R, and the scenes still hold up. Uh, especially the cube-like scene. Because of the way that it's shot and because that you don't actually see it direct, it looks pretty cool. Uh, fun, it's three out of five. I mean, there's some really fun parts of this movie. In the beginning, it's kind of fun, and I laughed quite a bit at some things. But it's still, you know, it's right in the middle. Uh, it's, it's a three out of five in crappiness because there's some things that could have been improved. Uh, definitely, the roles could have been better. Dialogue could have been better in a lot of scenes. Uh, it could have had better sound editing because uh, some things were so low. It was so hard to understand without turning the TV way up and blowing my own ears out or wearing a pair of headphones, which I don't necessarily want to do when I'm watching a movie. You know, I shouldn't be forced to do that to understand what the fuck is going on. And during those really chaotic scenes, when there's a lot of action and they're talking, you can barely understand them sometimes. The whole final scene of them fighting the monster, there's nothing that's usable from that, even though they're yelling at each other and they're saying certain things. But because so much shit is going on in the sound department, you can't fucking make out what they're saying. And it sucks. Uh, that that gives me the biggest reason to give it a 3 out of 5 for Crap Factor. It could have been worse, uh, but the sound is what kills it the most for me in this movie. So overall, I'm going to give this 3 out of 5 tongue bitch slaps. Uh, it's an average movie. If you really like uh, the Resident Evil franchise, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy this movie and you're going to think that it's pretty good. Um, as a zombie movie goes, it's mediocre. It's not the best. It could have been anything else. Uh, but it's definitely better than something like Land of the Dead. You know, I, I like George A.J. Romero a lot, but that one... Is... Uh, so, I'd recommend watching it if you've never seen it before. It's very... It's fun. It is a fun movie. It's not a so bad it's good movie, though. It's just a mediocre movie. And like I said, some people really like this movie. And some people really fucking hate this movie. I just happen to be in the middle. Like I said, uh, you could get rid of Michelle Rodriguez and I'd probably like this movie even more. So, Now, next episode is going to be the start of season two and it's going to be our one year anniversary. And there's only one movie in the world that I could even think about doing to celebrate one year of the Terrible Terror podcast. And it's this film. It was a night like any other night. Then... Something happened. Did you see that? Something different. It's no shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? They've been knocking them dead all over the universe. What are you going to do? Knock my block off? <laughs> Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Huh? <laughs> 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 
maybe they're just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police bell, you need a psychiatrist. Uh-oh. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. That's right. I'm going to be doing Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which has been requested of me multiple times. And I really was on the fence about doing it. But since I figured this is the year anniversary of the show, I'm going to do it. And it's going to start season two. What a better film to do. Uh, And that is in my top ten favorite horrible horror movies. That is actually number two. Uh, I'm probably going to do number one at some other point. Uh, and I actually have been requested to do another one that's in my top ten, which will be a few future episode that uh, we'll talk about later. But I'm very excited to do this. And once again, I thank everybody for listening. There have been a lot more new listeners uh, in the past couple weeks, and I truly, truly appreciate uh, you guys taking the chance on this podcast and allowing me to do this for one year. I cannot believe it. So be on the lookout for Killer Clowns from Outer Space as the next episode of the Terrible Terror podcast. And once again, uh, you know, go back into the old archives. Hey, look at some of the earlier ones. It's weird to go back and listen to some of the old things. I would definitely check out our very first episode, which was on TerrorVision. Uh, that I love so much. And before I go, I have one anecdote that I'll probably also repeat in the next episode about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. One of my favorite comedians is in this movie. And I actually (laughs) talked to him for just a brief moment about it. I wish I'd recorded it at that time. But this he's infamous for this movie and he cannot let this movie escape him so watch out for a uh cameo by christopher titus at the beginning of the movie and another little bit in there uh and from what i understand he hates that he's even referencing that even when talking with him uh which i thought still was pretty cool but uh definitely check it out it's available out there i know it's on itunes i know it's on amazon uh and again i cannot thank you guys more than enough for listening to my podcast until next time see you later